Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Faith Lutheran is a beloved, affirming community that is striving to grow closer to and more like Jesus for the sake of the world. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. So the other night, I had to run to Safeway to pick up some late-night supplies. As I pulled into the parking lot, I noticed a young man who appeared to be looking for something. Always one to be helpful, I asked what he was looking for. He told me he had lost his wallet earlier in the day during a trip to Walmart. Confused, I asked him why he was looking for his wallet in the Safeway parking lot if he knows he lost it in the Walmart parking lot. He told me that this parking lot has better lighting at night. Sorry, couldn't resist an old joke. But when it comes to looking for Jesus, where do we start? Do we look the last place we saw him? Or where the lighting is best? Or somewhere else? Today is the story of the ascension of our Lord in Acts chapter 1. And the story invites us to wonder and recall that Jesus is up there, but also out there, and also in here. So let's go looking for Jesus, shall we? Grab your Bible, and we'll begin with a reading from Acts chapter 1. And we pray, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. A reading from Acts chapter 1, the first verse. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Here ends the reading. The Apostles' Creed is one of the most well-known summaries of the Christian faith. And it reminds us that Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
That last part, that ascended into heaven part, well, that's what's being described here in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Jesus had been crucified, died, and he was buried on the Passover, Good Friday. And then on the third day, Easter Sunday, counting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Easter Sunday, the women find his tomb empty. He is risen. And later that day and over the next several weeks, Jesus appears to his followers very much alive. Thank you very much. The Apostle Paul tells us later that all told about 500 people or so had claimed to see Jesus in this 40-day period of time from Easter to what is now called the Ascension. And then it'll be a little over a week later when the followers of Jesus would then receive the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem during another Jewish festival, this one called Pentecost. So about six weeks from Easter to this event, the Ascension of our Lord. Now, the picture in my mind has Jesus sort of levitating upward, higher and higher, disappearing into the clouds. At the same time, like most of you, to quote Karen Carpenter, I've looked at clouds from both sides now. And it does seem a bit primitive to talk about Jesus ascending into heaven as though where God lives is up there somewhere. And for that matter, when we declare that Jesus descended into hell, do we really think that hell is deep underground, close to the earth's core? So let's talk about the ups and downs of the ascension of our Lord. It says he descended to hell. Now, death itself has a downward kind of a feel. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Hebrew scriptures talk about death is going down to Sheol, to the place of the dead. And we're buried in the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. So the Apostles' Creed affirms that Jesus descended to hell, descended to the dead. Now this might refer to some kind of a supernatural jailbreak. There is an obscure biblical reference in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19 that suggests this. Or, It may simply be a way of saying that he really died, like dead and buried kind of dead. And so newer versions of the Apostles' Creed reflect this understanding when it simply states, he descended to the dead. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. The word for heaven and the heavens is the same word for sky, the clouds, everything that's above the earth. If someone suggests that someone is looking at heaven or looking into the heavens, sort of naturally has an upward feel to it. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says that Jesus was taken up and hidden in a cloud. One biblical scholar I read recently notes that this image of Jesus being lifted up, taken up into heaven, connects Jesus with two Old Testament heroes who were also taken up into heaven at their death. Moses and Elijah. Or another way to think about it is to think about how we talk about how someone ascends to a position of rank or authority. They've climbed the ladder of success. So that when we say that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, this is about the authority and status of Jesus, the relation of Jesus to the Father more than it is about where we might find or locate Jesus. We're affirming that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus reigns, 
The risen Jesus has climbed the ranks, so to speak, proven his worth, and has claimed his rightful place as the Father's right-hand man, as we used to say. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus' ascension to power is now complete. God has placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything in Ephesians chapter 1. So seated at the right hand of the Father, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. So when it comes to locating Jesus, looking for Jesus, you could say that things are really looking up. Jesus is up there, seated on the throne, looking down from heaven, preparing a mansion for you in the Father's house, exalted, lifted up, the name above all names, King of kings, Lord of lords, who shall come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. We gather for worship then and we lift our hands. We let our prayers rise before God as incense. We sing our songs of praise. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. But Jesus is not limited to just being found up there. The Bible is actually quite critical of Christians who are so heavenly minded as to be no earthly good. Why are you standing around looking up at the clouds? Is the incredulous question directed at the small collection of gate-mouthed fishermen followers. The Apostle Paul would remind the members of his church in Thessalonica, Remember to show up for work every day. Pull your own weight. There's work to be done. If we're going to go looking for Jesus, don't just look up, but look around. Jesus is in your neighborhood. Jesus is in your neighbor. Where two or more are gathered, I will be in their midst, Jesus said. Whenever you show compassion or generosity or kindness to another human being, That's me you're helping, he says. Jesus isn't to be found at the empty tomb or somewhere up in the clouds. He's going on ahead of you, loose in the world, unchained by death, getting into all sorts of what uh, former congressman, uh, the former congressman would say, good trouble. Follow me, he says. Take up your cross. The fields are ripe with harvest. Jesus is the good shepherd tending his sheep. Jesus is the true vine the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world. If you're looking for Jesus, look around. Look at your neighbor. Look in your neighborhood. This week, I saw Jesus in a church member dying of cancer. I saw Jesus in my friend Danielle, who works at the city center motel. I saw Jesus in a young mom with two kids needing housing. Because of Danielle and, and the generosity of the people of Faith Lutheran, a homeless family has a week's worth of shelter. Whenever you do this for the least of these, you do it for me, Jesus said. Being a Christian is not just about being grateful for what Jesus did back then and then sitting on our hands waiting for him to come back and finish the job. No, Jesus is in my neighbor. Jesus is in my neighborhood. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, 
no turning back. Looking up, we see the risen Christ with all authority on heaven and on earth, his message of love vindicated, enthroned in heaven, drenched in Gatorade at the right hand of the Father. The two of them were up there grinning like idiots, high fives and hugs and champagne bubbles everywhere. We did it. It is accomplished. Nothing can separate a person from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not sin, not death, neither height nor depth, nor devils or angels or bad choices. The love of the Father has been revealed once for all. And Jesus will come again. Our suffering in this world will not go on forever. No matter how hard humans try to mess things up for ourselves and each other, love will have the last word, even as love spoke the first word. No, we look up and we find Jesus as Lord. And then we look around and we see Christ behind every COVID mask, under every MAGA hat, in every Israeli and Palestinian, in every registered gun owner and person of color, Christ in our neighbor, Christ in our neighborhood. And we are witnesses. We're co-workers in the kingdom. We're created for this mission and this mission only, to proclaim the day of the Lord's favor, good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, liberation for the oppressed, Folks, let your light shine. Look around. See Jesus in your neighbor and your neighborhood. And there's one more place to look for Jesus. And I promise when you look there, you will find him. And when you find him, there your life will be never the same. Folks, look within. Look in your heart. That, that you thing that's the center of your life and your being. I know the plans I have for you. God said centuries before Jesus of Nazareth. I know the plans I have for you, God says. Could anyone ever imagine that the love and the power and the spirit and the authority of God was somehow absent from the world before Jesus? No, I know the plans I have for you, God says. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. God gives a promise in Jeremiah chapter 29. And this is the truest treasure of the Christian life. It is Jesus living in your heart. When it's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me, everything always only for Jesus. The spirit, the lifeblood, peace, love, joy of the risen Christ oozes and pulsates through my pores and cells and thoughts and actions. And I know that I'm never alone. I know that I am held and sustained and led by the spirit of Christ in me. It doesn't make me perfect or holier than thou or never afraid but it does make all the difference. And it can make all the difference for you too. And some of you out there in podcast land are nodding because you know exactly what I'm talking about. What a personal relationship with Jesus, what being washed in the waters of baptism, what, what it means to have Jesus living in your heart, what that kind of faith and life and hope is all about. I was eight years old. I was eight years old when the song I learned in Sunday school that year became my confession, my prayer, my deepest longing, my salvation. 
I'm going to sing it. You can sing it with me, and don't worry, I can't hear you. But Jesus can, and Jesus does, and promises to be found by you when you look for him with all your heart, looking up, looking around, looking within, even looking where the light is good. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I would love to talk to you and pray with you and even teach you a Sunday school song if it would help so that you can know what it means to have a deeper relationship with Jesus or deeper participation in the life and the mission of Faith Lutheran Church, if you like. Meanwhile, you can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any other way you listen to podcasts. You can sign up for our weekly email at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thank you, Chaz, for your production work. Thank you, people of faith, for your generous hearts and, um, and all glory, all glory, all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. <music>